0: If you'll turn to Colossians chapter 3, I'll survey the congregation. Colossians chapter 3, we're going to look at just four verses this morning, verses 1 through 4. Some very familiar verses. May God speak His Word by His Holy Spirit, and may God hear the prayers of Jim as he's called out on behalf of this congregation. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. The answer to that question, what is a Christian, is far too shallowly answered. It's not just someone who believes that Jesus died on the cross or that he is the Jesus is the best person in the world, or a person with good moral teaching, or someone who goes to church or has good morals himself, or not merely a person who prays and asks Jesus in their heart, what is a true Christian? Well, Colossians says, these are realities of a true Christian. He or she is one who has received the Christ Jesus as Lord. He is rooted in the vine, and built up by the head, Jesus. She is filled with all the fullness of Christ. She is baptized into union with Christ. Christ is her head, and in Christ she died and rose. He is completely forgiven of all his sins in Christ's work on the cross, and she, or he, has completely had their enemies defeated in Christ on his, in his death. A Christian is saved from the wrath to come and has put his trust and is putting his trust in God who has promised a hope that is laid up for him in heaven A Christian is no longer under the domain or slavery of darkness, but has been transferred into the kingdom of his dear son. And we come to this part of Colossians where Paul moves from vital information about the gospel and Jesus and what made us a Christian and what a Christian is to what do we do with that information and how do we live? We go from knowing to doing We need both, Christians. Faith, church, we need to do both. We need to know and we need to do. Knowing is vital to doing rightly in a way that lasts and it comes from the right power and is motivated by the right thing. But doing is also important to even knowing. And in chapter 2 of verse 6, we saw last week, as you've received... Christ Jesus the Lord, have you received him? Now, so walk, he uses the imagery of walk in him, meaning literally live your life in him. So live your life rooted and focused and built up in him. So we come to the first four verses of this chapter, chapter three, and would you follow along as I read these verses? If, Paul says, if, or... You could also translate it since. If or since then you've been raised with Christ, because that's the truth of all Christians, a certain spiritual raising, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with God, Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. If you are Christ, then something happens. Since you are Christ, this is what it means. This morning, I want to give you four ways to live our lives in Christ. And here they are. We need to know our own new identity. We need to embrace a new mentality. We need to rest in a new security and remember our new destiny. Number one, know your new identity. I mean, we use this in our culture today how do you identify? And we cringe. How do you identify? What do you you mean by that? You see, identity matters. And Paul wants us to know what our real identity is. In fact, we can go about our lives in our world, and you need to know, we hear the message in our culture today, your identity is what you make yourself to be or you need to be yourself. If you are an Avenger movie person, it's Thor in Endgame. He wants to be himself and just realize it. And we go in our culture, You need if you be who you feel you need to be and you sense it, even though it might seem so different from all historical perspective. In past cultures, people said your identity is what your parents are. Your identity is what culture says you should be, or what your morality says you should be. But God's word gives us this your identity is what God declares you to be. Identity, what you say, I most fundamentally am this. That's your identity. And Paul's going to say, Your identity is in Christ. A label, one of the most favorite. Labels that Paul likes to identify Christians as. You're in Christ. In chapter 1, verse 2, he said, To the saints and faithful brothers in Christ. In 127, he says, Your hope, is glory, your hope of glory is Christ in you. And in, one, in the next verse, he says, His plan is for Christ to be made, mature, you to be mature in Christ. You are filled with Christ, chapter two, verse ten. This passage doesn't use the term in Christ; these four verses, but it's all over. It's the heart of it. And it assumes it. In fact, it uses the term with Christ. You were raised with Christ, verse one of chapter three. We saw you died with him. If you died, verse three, which is a reference even to chapter two, verse twenty. You have died with Christ, Christian. And you are hidden with Christ. This passage says that Christ is your life. Christian, your identity is Christ. Christ is your life. Christ is in you. Christ is with you. Christ is your hope. He is your life. He is your identity. You are Christ. You belong to him. Married persons, you experienced this when you got married. You were united with someone, and wives took on an entirely different name—the name of the one you were united with—and all they. There is a shared ownership. The wealth became your wealth, and the poverty became your poverty, and in Christ. We are united even more intimately than this. We are Christ. And Jesus took our poverty and gave us his wealth, our salvation. And our identity now, or how we truly define who we are and what makes us, is Jesus Christ. I like how Paul Tripp says this. He says that wherever you look for your identity, it then exercises rulership over your heart. And so doing, will direct the way you live your life. Things that were never meant to be sources of a human identity become just that. Our identity is not being that person at work or that student in school or that successful person or even successful father or mother or husband or wife or family member. Our identity, most importantly, is in Jesus Christ. And when we look for our identity in something else, it creates endless layers of difficulty and brokenness. You see, we were born in sin, and we were seeking our own identity. We looked for it in all the wrong places. In fact, in the Garden of Eden, we followed Adam and Eve, and we tried to be our own God. And we are born naturally as Thinking we are self-sovereigns. I can. I want to do it. I get to choose. I'm in charge. And when we came to Jesus Christ, we surrendered to the reality that our identity is now under the Lord Jesus Christ. To be a Christian, to live out our Christian faith is to most fundamentally know, truly know your new identity. Paul makes it very clear that our identity is never, that our identity is in Christ, and it must be the defining element of our lives. Remember chapter 2 last week in verses 11 through 12? We were circumcised. It's all metaphorical. It's a picture. You are circumcised. Spiritually circumcised by God when you were converted and saved, you were brought into a different kind of people marked by Him when you were buried with Him in baptism. Not that baptism saved you, but was a picture of God's work of uniting Him. When you were baptized, you went under the water, symbolizes you died. You were buried with Christ, and you came out of the water. You are alive, and Christ is now your life. That's why Paul will talk this way, and we should ponder these passages like Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. I don't longer live. But Christ lives in me, but I still live a life here on planet Earth, 2022. The life I now live, I live by Faith in the Son of God, the one I received by faith. I live by faith in the Son of God, and oh this is so beautiful, who loved me and gave himself for me. That that is our calling. Your true identity is not primarily male or female, son or daughter, husband or wife, father, mother, boss, American, engineer, teacher, student. Your identity, if you're saved, is in Christ. You belong to him. You are united and bonded to him. Know your own identity. Oh God, would you help us, members of Faith Church, to know and grow in knowing our identity. And for those that are not in Christ, oh Father, help them to receive you. But Paul, number two, says not only do you need to know your your identity, you need to embrace a new mentality. Here we come to the first major command or imperative of this section. A section that begins chapters three and four is full of commands. You need to do this. Chapter one and two were, this is true. Chapter three and four, now do. But as we come to this, he gives the first major command, and it's twofold, and they're paired together. They have the same concept. He says in 1A or 1B, seek the things that are above if you've been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And paired right with that is, verse 2, set your minds the things that are above. See the mentality that you now, you and I are called to, a type of mindset, a might, a type of attitude, a type of discipline, a direction with our the life of our mind and our direction and our purposing. More than that, when we think of mind, we just think of rationale, our 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 intellect. And it's way more than that. Let's just include the heart here. A direction of the heart. Some of the translations will say, set your Let's set your heart on things above. What what you really love, you really direct yourself. He says this, since you've been raised with Christ, you're called to a new mentality, a new way of thinking and pursuing. You are to think differently, Christian. Your life is different, and it starts with this kind of thinking in mind. So much of Christianity is this life of the mind. We are to renew our mind by God and His Word, Romans chapter 12. And we are to take thought, every captive thought, to the obedience of Christ. And Paul says here, the mentality of this person who is in Christ is, you set your gaze, your heart, your affections, your pursuit on the realities of heaven. Specifically, he says, on Christ who is seated at the right hand of God. What does this mean for us, for you? It means way more than I can say right now, but I just want to give you a few suggestions of this means. This means to set our gaze with this new mentality. It means that you and I need to fix our minds and attention on the brevity and the vanity of the things of this world. We, what I mean by that is not let's focus and live our lives for that, those things that are brief and vain. I mean, we need to fix our attention and go, hey, everything that is unconnected to an obedience to Jesus Christ for his glory and independence on him is not gonna last and it's really futile and vain. It's empty. Oh, there are things that are quite, quote, not religious that God has given to us that we can enjoy. But we are to enjoy them with a type of mentality that is always, they are from you, God. And if I think less and I'm not about that, it is only vain and gone. Our, my life is a vapor. I'm going to be gone. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. The certainty of our life is uncertain. It's uncertain to you. You don't know if you will pass to next Sunday and be with us or be somewhere or alive. All the things of this life, oh, how meaningless they will be disconnected to Christ. Jonathan Edwards, one of the great American preachers in the 1700s, he he made a resolution when he was young and he renewed this resolution year by year and month by month, resolved to live Each day, if my mind thought it was my last. If it was your last day to live today, how would you live? I guess that would tell you a lot about yourself. If you would rush to Disney World, (laughs) it shows you a certain value. Or if this was your last week, would you seek the Lord? Would you cherish each moment? Would you? take captive your thoughts to think about what will really matter. And he's going to say, do not set your affections on things below. That doesn't mean that you walk living your lives in the cloud, out of out of re- touch with reality of everybody else. No, not at all. For the rest of this letter, he's going to say, the way you are to live in the world and in the workplace and in your home and towards one another in the church is, towards outward looking in so many ways, but it is all done. All done under the lordship of Jesus Christ that he's going to someday judge. All that's going to be matter is him and his approval. He is the most satisfying person in the world. I have died and I've risen with him. That's the most fundamental reality. He is right now in heaven. He is at the right hand of the father And I am filled with this fullness. I don't fully understand it. Oh, God, help me for the rest of my life to grow, to know what that really means and show it to other people. Oh, that we would be a people that would think about life through the lenses of eternity. We would number our days and have a heart of wisdom. We would remember how short they are and how vain they are apart from God. Money's not going to last. The praise of man means nothing in the end. And the threats of the world, they're but temporary. I have said this before. There's going to come a day when all the things you worried about, oh, they're going to be all gone. Completely removed. And you'll see the futility of those worries. Another way in which we do this, this mentality, is we need to fix our focus on Christ with our life. We do need to fix our mind. Our identity is him. My life is him. He's present. He's here in this room. He's in your bedroom. He is in your car going to work. He's with you at school. He's with you as you change diapers for your kids or your grandchildren. He's with you in the cancer treatment. He's with you in the co- side conversations that you're going to have. Oh God, I want to fix my mind. You're here. Oh, we we have pro- I realized this in my own life We like to, at least younger people, but you know, younger people like me. um, We like to fix our minds on a lot of things and keep them busy. I'll drive somewhere and I'm always grabbing my phone to listen to something. And sometimes I need to just stop, and I need to just think, and I need to fix my mind on what matters. I need to discipline myself. The Bible calls it meditation. The Puritans did a good job of this. They taught us. at least they taught their own people in their churches that we need to meditate on the things of God. We need to take sermons and not just check it off and go about your days, but we need to meditate on these truths, work them out in our life, think through what does that really mean and how I should apply this to our lives. And here we are to fix our minds on Jesus, his presence, he's here, his power and his promises. We need to fix our attention on biblical goals that are rooted in our identity. Friends, we need to say this, all of us, and fix our minds on this, our attention on this. Seek these things. I exist. You exist. If you're a Christian, you exist. Your vacations exist. Memorial Day weekend exists. Your school exists. Your job exists to glorify God in your life. That's why, you're, that's why you're here. And if you say, I don't like that, then you're not a Christian. Or you're a shallow Christian and God's saying, I got so much better for you and I want to bring you into the joy of my salvation. There is nothing more glorious than knowing and being consumed in his name, and his glory. Friends, we all need to say, I exist to know him. And I need to fix my attention to that. All the things that came in my life this week that were troublesome, and they got in the way of my agenda, my plans, my comfort, and they were frankly frustrating and irritating. Well, depending on what your goal is. If your goal is to be comfortable... If your goal is to have a comfort-free life where everything revolves around you and your plans and agenda, yes, they were roadblocks to those goals. But if your goal is to glorify God and to know him and to be made like him, they're not roadblocks. They're part of his stepping stones. They're the part of the ways in which he is shaping you. He is using disappointments and difficulties to each hour of your day make you into the person that absolutely is dependent on him and puts no, puts no deep affection and love to this world in comparison to Jesus and the world to come. And we need to discipline our minds to see that all of the things, I think this all relates to a mentality of seek the things that are above, things that are on not on earth, but where Christ is seated at the right hand, We need to discipline our minds to see all the things made by God and by Jesus Christ and sustained by him and directed by him for his goal. This weekend is directed by Jesus and sustained by Jesus and for Jesus. The beautiful trees right now that are lush and fresh and newly green praises Jesus the maker and sustainer and the goal of those that green. The fields that are being planted right now exist to glorify Jesus. Think that out, work that out. The reality of Memorial Day weekend where you get to rest, Jesus is the great rest. As you think about the blessedness that we have of people laying down their lives when we think, Jesus, you laid down your life. Oh God, help me to ponder and think about Everything with a mentality of you as center of all things. I just want to ask you here, where have you fixed your attention? Where have you fixed your mind in pursuit this last week? Have you set them on the things above where Christ is? Or have they been on video games? Or have they been on vacation? Have you focused on the hurt of others? Or the things you fear? or the things you dislike, or the things of the news, or the dismantling of morality and of the violence in our culture and the political discord, or the fact that Christ Jesus is Lord, and he will someday take all his many enemies and put them under his feet, and right now he has saved you, and he has put you in this planet to show others against all odds of what it means to shine as a light in a dark world in the midst of your pain and their pain. We need to have a new mentality. Oh, may we fix our minds. May we embrace a new mentality. But thirdly, I want you to see, we need to rest in a new security. Look at verse three with me for a minute. Look at verse 3. For you have died. What's he mean by that? You, you died in Christ, 220. You were buried with him in baptism. You died when he died. You're united to him now. You died, the old you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Friends, let me say this to you: this is the safest place in the universe. Hidden with Christ in God. Let me say that again. The safest place for you to be in the universe is to be hidden with Christ in God. There is a type of hiding that brings safety. Where there's an enemy attacking you, and you go and you find a hiding place, and you get in there, and under there, there's protection, and he cannot get you. It is a safe room, it is a safe place. And the most safe place is to be hidden in Christ, having died with him by faith. Your baptism pictures this. Think of Noah in the Old Testament. What did he do? He hid in an ark that God provided for him that he had built. As the flood and waters destroyed all living flesh and on the earth, he was hidden with God in this ark. The Christian has another ark, another place where they find that's far safer, and it's in Christ. We need to fix our minds on these things daily, hourly. When you fear and when you're tempted to fear or deal with any kind of level of anxiety, Say to yourself, I don't fully understand this, but teach me what it means that I my life is hidden with Christ in God. Those who are saved by Christ, who are in Christ, they are brought into union with the Son, and in the Son, Jesus, they find refuge and security. On Thursday morning, our family read Daniel chapter 3. Let me remind you what Daniel 3 says. It is about Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, the great sovereign king of Babylon, who was over all the land, and he built a great image, and he called everybody to worship him, and those that don't, they'll go to a fiery furnace, and there were three faithful Jews there, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember them? Oh, these men, they knew their identity. They were commanded to worship another god, the fake god, in golden image, but by the great that was built by the great powerful Nebuchadnezzar. They were threatened with the death if they didn't do this. But oh, they knew their God and they knew their identity in that God and they knew it was more dangerous to bow to a pagan idol, even if it meant all the rewards of that world and that life. Far more dangerous that than to defy the God who was their true and everlasting shield and refuge. They were of the true God, the maker of heaven and earth, who rules kingdoms and brings kings and sep- sends kings away. And they had their minds fixed on that God and his kingdom that would never be destroyed. They reasoned that God would save them if, they so, if he so wished and thought wise to do so, but they would not bow down to this king no matter what. And guess what happens? You know. They're thrown into the fire because of their defiance to the king. And it was a fire that was so hot that the guards that threw them in were destroyed. They, they were killed by the heat as they threw the three, loyal to Jesus, loyal to the Yahweh's God, as they are, they're destroyed, these guards. And the king looks down into the fiery furnace and sees them all alive and well, walking around with the fourth person who looks like the sons of the God. What happens? What happened? They were hidden with Christ in God. Oh, friends, seek your set your minds here. Your safety is in Christ. We are prone to fear all the days of our lives. And oh, we need we have this security and we need to fix our minds to this. Satan will accuse you and condemn you because of your mistakes and because of your failures and sin. But there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Romans 8.1 Satan will afflict you and tempt you and try to make you turn away and curse or disobey God. But you are shielded in such a way that God is there for you. Your mind, maybe a mental illness, will tempt you to despair out of anxiety or fear. Friend, friend, If Jesus died and rose for you, you are hidden safely under his wings. In Christ, he is working all things for your good, Romans 8.28. If God is for you, who can be against you, Romans 8.31? You are hidden with Christ in God. What are you fearful of? Speak to myself, Daniel, why are you so fearful? Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Why do you fear people and their opinions? Why do you fear when God is near? He is your shield and defender, and you're in Christ. You died. Have you gone to your own funeral? The funeral of your old flesh? There there in the grave lies your pride and your vanity and your old desires and the old need to have control, your need to be secure in people and other things. You need to be loved by people around and served by those people. Oh, know that you're, you died, you died, and your life is hidden with Christ. All is well. Who shall separate you from the love of Christ? No, no one or nothing. This is the gospel of our salvation. The last point I want you to see is that we need to remember our new destiny. Our new destiny. I want you to fix your attention on this glory reality. Look at verse 4. You have a new destiny. When Christ, this phrase is beautiful, who is your life? When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Paul writes the Colossians and praises God. He says, I praise God that you trust Christ and you love one another because of a hope laid up for you in heaven. Oh, well, Friends, a mark of a Christian that lives this life They remember so deeply. They keep remembering. They keep reminding. Maybe because they apply the second point. They fix their mind that their destiny is so glorious that they say that all the things of this earth and the sufferings are nothing, not worth comparing to the glories that will be revealed as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal and glorious. He says, when Christ who is your life appears, this is a picture of Jesus is surely going to return. He is going to be revealed. He is going to come back, and he is going to make you like himself. You remember 127, he says, I want you to know this, Christ is in you. The hope of glory, the hope that glory is coming in which you're tired of your frail, broken, disturbing physical body. The older you get, you become more tired of it. He will transform your physical body. As he says in Philippians chapter 3, He will transform your lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Beloved, John writes, we are God's children and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we'll see him as he is and he will transform us Paul says to the Corinthians who are fearing that maybe the resurrection already took place or wasn't going to happen. And he says, but each in its own order, Christ, the first fruits, then at his coming, his appearing, using this language, you will be those who belong to Christ, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God, the father, after destroying every rule, he will come and he will transform us. I am convinced that as a preacher, your preacher, I need to preach more on the future of the Christian, our hope. I need to help you see from scriptures to realize it every day of your life that your glory is not in your job. Your glory is not feeling good at night when you lay down to bed or when you get to turn that thing on on Netflix and enjoy it because the kids are asleep or whatever it is. Your glory is not your retirement home or your retirement plane. Your glory is Christ and the hope set up for you in heaven. And he wants us to live with that reality, pulsating in our hearts, loving others and growing in holiness. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has caused us to be born again to a living hope. That hope is future, it's coming to an inheritance that is imperishable and undefiled and it does not fade away. Everything else that you love is either more, it ends up being a little more disappointing than you ever thought because it's never going to satisfy you like you thought it would. And it wears out and goes away. Every, every person you love will die, or you'll die first. But the destiny that a Christian has is so, so different. And it is so to fill our minds that it should cause us to love God more and love our neighbor more because we're so secure, because it's all taken care of. Dear friends, you're in Christ Jesus if you're saved. If you have received the Lord Jesus Christ by faith, having submitted to him as your master, repenting of your sins and turning to him, have you run to him for rescue, for mercy? Have you fallen down before him and accepted that you need him and that you need to be hidden with him and God, that you need his death and his resurrection? oh, that you would receive him today if you've not. If you're sitting in this room or you're watching on this video and you can't say, oh, Christ is my life. Christ has saved me. I put my trust in him. It's, I'm not, I got a long way to go, but boy, I've never really done that. I've never turned away from my sins and accepted him and decided to follow him. Oh, I pray that you feel right now a compulsion to say, I need to do that. I'm going to do this. I need mercy. He's the only answer for mercy. And he offers it and I receive it. You can receive it right now in your chair. I pray that you'd follow him. I pray that you'd receive him. And dear believer, those that have already received him, far too many Christians are far away from living out these realities. We don't really, we have an amnesia spiritual amnesia. We don't know our identity. And we don't fix our minds with a new mentality. And, boy, we don't live as though we have a security. And our destiny, well, we're just, retirement's the best destiny we can think of. Or maybe just the finishing the end of our days. Oh, you are in Christ. You know that you are to fix your attention on him. The things of the world are wasting away. We look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Christ is on the throne. He made you and sustains you and everything in it. Fix your mind and attention on Him. Surrender your unbiblical goals and agendas to Him. Those things will only leave you empty and in insanity. Oh, there's a shelter in the storm, and it's Christ. Do you know Him? Do you live knowing you're hidden with Christ in God? The days are drawing near whether he will return soon, but they're drawing near in your life. They'll come to an end. And if you're in Christ, your destiny is sure. You will someday be presented before him in glory. We will someday have our eternal rest. Oh, we won't be in control. He will be. Uh, We will... Joyfully yield perfectly in joy to his glorious lordship as we are learning to do so now. All things will change. God is purifying now his people so that we will love him differently. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Let's pray. The worship team comes. I ask that you would just take a minute and ask God to help you. I'd ask you to take a minute, church, to do a little introspection and say, do I really know my identity? Or am I just flailing after other identities? Ask God to help you. If, you're not, if, you, if your identity isn't Christ because you've not received Him, i call on Him and He will receive you in mercy. I ask if you have a mentality, ask God to give you a mentality, a focus, to fix your minds on things above this week. To make it a new way of life to... Evaluate the way you use your pursuits and what you're seeking after and how you spend your time. Do you know how secure you are if you're in Christ? So why do you live as though you're not? Why do you find security in other people and things? Why do you think that you can be in control? Your life is hidden in Christ and God. Lastly, oh you have a glorious destiny, do you know it? You live it, do you sing it? You share it. You call others to it. God, please do that in our lives. Do these things. Shape it. I pray that Christ would be formed in us. Truly, in Jesus name. Amen.